All right. Well, here at Bridge Women, we have been in a series entitled Fervent because on Tuesday mornings, we have been going through this book by Priscilla Shire, Fervent, which is all about fervent prayer. And it's just been awesome what God is doing in women's lives. And so I just want to let you know that if you have not yet jumped in and joined us in this study, it's not too late. You can do it at your own pace. You can join us on Tuesday mornings. You can join one of the women's connect groups that are happen in the evenings. There's all different ways. But I just really encourage you, if you haven't already done it, to pick up one of these books, order it on Amazon. It will make a difference in your life. It is really, really awesome. And just to helping us pray more strategically and praying the word over our lives. It's so powerful. So be sure to pick one up. And like I said, you can follow along with the podcast. You can find out about the evening Women's Connect groups who are going through this study in our Connection Guide, which you can get over at the Connection Center before you leave tonight as well, okay? Make sure you take advantage of those things. Well, since we are in this series on fervent prayer, on our Monday evening gatherings, we are tying into that theme of prayer. And when I think about prayer, there is one dear friend who especially comes to my mind because she is a woman of prayer. And so tonight we have a special guest speaker in the house and I have invited my friend Janet Conley. And for those of you who may not know her, I just want to quickly tell you a little bit about her because Janet and her husband Bayless are the founding and senior pastors of Cottonwood Church in Los Alamitos. And it's an amazing Amazing church, amazing ministry. They love people with all their hearts. And I want to tell you, tonight, you are going to hear from someone who is the real deal, who is so authentic, who loves God with all that is within her. She is a prayer warrior, and she has seen incredible answers to prayer, and you're going to be hearing about some of those things tonight. But I want to ask you to join me. Can we just do something? Can we stand and give an extra warm Bridge Women welcome to Pastor Janet Conley? Hello. Yeah, you can be seated. I am so happy to be here. And you know, it was such a wonderful drive out here. I'm driving, and if you've driven on the 15, you've seen the beautiful hills and the yellow flowers. Oh my goodness, it's like the sound of music, the hills are coming alive. So it was a beautiful drive. So I'm so happy to be here, and, and thank you for those kind words. And uh, how long we've known it? Like almost 20 years, huh? 19, 20 years, somewhere in there. Anyway, she's such a dear friend, and you are really blessed um, to have her as a leader here at this church. Beautiful, wonderful. Her and Gary as well. Uh, just like she said, the real deal as well. So thank you again for having me. I feel very honored to be here. So tonight, as Ann said, we're going to continue with the uh, prayer theme. And I'm very excited because I... I feel like I get to brag on God and things he does in our lives. So that's always a good thing, isn't it? 
Yes, amen. Why don't we just take a moment, just pray. Father, we're just so grateful that you are here with us tonight, and we just commit this all into your hands. I thank you, Father, for moving wonderfully as you already are and have by your Holy Spirit, and just do things that we could never do on our own. We open our hearts wide to all you want to say tonight. Thank you, God. You said you'll fill the hungry and the thirsty soul. So we hunger and we thirst, God. And thank you for filling us and satisfying us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, some of you know me and my family, and uh, some of you don't, except for what Ann told you. And so I brought a little picture just to show you kind of my family. We have three children. On the right, you see our oldest son, Harrison, and his beautiful wife, Bethany, our three gorgeous, always gorgeous, grandchildren. And then over on your left side is our other son, Spencer, and his beautiful Mexican bride. They've been married just a little over a year. And right next to Spencer is his sister, his twin sister, Rebecca. And uh, she's lovely. She's a teacher, elementary teacher. And then last but not least, beside me, is my husband, Bayless. So that's my family, and they're, aren't they beautiful? All right. You didn't know what else to do, but you had to clap, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, well, you should have gotten handouts on your uh, table there, so just a place for you to take notes, and all of the verses are right there for you, just really handy, and the points, a uh, little outline for you. So if you want to take advantage of that, that would be great. So we've got um, just four points. We're going to talk about prayer and just share some great stories that God has done. So number one, prayer gets God involved in our lives. And maybe that sounds obvious, but sometimes to actually pray is when we get God involved. Um, let me begin with a little story. Once upon a time, there were two people, and their names were Bayless and Janet. And uh, there was this one particular subject that whenever they talked about it, it was very, very tense, and so we tried to avoid it. But it came to a point one time where we had to make some decisions, and I knew I had to bring this subject up, and I really dreaded it. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to pray. How many of you sometimes you forget that you can actually pray? <laughs> I think it's pretty human experience. We just lose the awareness that God is right there with us and wanting to help us. And also, we have an enemy who doesn't want us to pray because he knows the power in prayer. And I'm sharing tonight on the gift of prayer, but I almost wanted to title it the power gift of prayer because it's an awesome gift that God has given us, but it's also full of power. Well, anyway, my little story, so I decided to pray, and I just took a little pause and prayed <clears throat> before I broached the subject. It's amazing. We were blown away. In less than five minutes, we solved the whole problem, and there were no walking on eggshells, no more tension. And honestly, when we talk about this today, we both remember it. We don't remember the subject, but we remember how, oh my goodness, God just helped us solve it right there. There is power in prayer. It's an amazing gift that God has given us just to communicate with him and expect results. 
prayer gets God involved. And he not only brings solution to the situation, but he also does some things in our own heart, teaches us valuable lessons uh, in the midst of those situations. In that pause of prayer that I had, God reminded me that the expression on my face and the tone of my voice were really important. And that was a valuable lesson for me to learn, and I can use it for the rest of my lives. Prayer changes circumstances, and it changes us. I love this. We can talk to the creator of the universe. The creator of the universe. Just think about it. He made our bodies. It isn't amazing how they work. We're just a little part of that. There's just so much more. He's the creator of the universe. He knows everything. And he made it possible because of Jesus that we can talk to him 24-7, 365 days of the year. And I just remembered he does not take his birthday off. He's always available. Isn't it wonderful? What a wonderful gift. I love what David said in Psalm 116, verse 2, and this is on your paper there. He said, because God, because he, God, bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Because God bends down to listen, he bends down, he cares, and he listens. Have you ever talked to someone, they don't really listen to you? (laughs) Because he bends down and listens. I will pray as long as I have breath. He cares. John Wesley said this. He said, it seems that God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. Why is that? You see, we live in a fallen world, and we have an enemy the God, little g, of this world, the devil. But, but, and it's a big but, because of Jesus, we have authority over him and his power. And we access and we enforce that power through our prayers. How do we pray? How do we do this? To some of you, this may be very obvious, but it's so important and such a great truth. In 1 John 5, Verse 14 and 15, and those are on your handouts as well. This is what it says. This is how we pray and how we can have confidence. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have asked, we'll have what we ask. Of him. Isn't that good news? If we pray according to his will, he'll hear us, and then we know we have the answers. How do we know if we're praying according to his will? His will is the word, his will is the Bible, his will is spelled out in the Bible. If we are praying according to his word, he tells us clearly. That he will hear us and he will answer. Isn't that good news? It gives you great confidence if we ask according to his will. In 1998, 
had a little cancer scare and I went back to the doctor's office and they were just telling me some of the results of the pap smear and things like that and they said it looks really bad and you know it's cancer and all these things they were saying such things and, and once you hear the word cancer you don't hear anything else they say your mind just swirls around like this and I'm thinking I'm gonna die I have cancer what about my kids what about my husband you know surely he will remarry who will he remarry I mean crazy things go all through he will he would all through your head you know and um, so we talked about it a bit, and then I just prayed about it and talked to God about it. And I felt like God put in my heart that I should just trust him. Now, we all have to find out what God says to each of us. And that may not be what he would say to you, but he told me at that point, I just, you can just trust me. And I had some verses, you know, Psalm 103 says he will heal all of our diseases, and all means cancer. It means everything. And he said, with Jesus' stripes, we were healed. So I had that confidence. And uh, I remember during that time just um, reading the story about Jairus in the Bible. Jairus had come to Jesus, and he said, I need you to come to my house and pray for my daughter. Just lay hands on her and she'll be healed. He said, come to my house. My daughter is very sick. And so Jesus started to go with him. And as he was going, this lady with the issue of blood came and there was a big crowd and Jesus got distracted, it seemed like. And pretty soon, some people that um, knew Jairus came back to him. They said, Jairus, your daughter's dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. It's, it's over. And immediately... Jesus, even though he was caught up with the crowd, he heard that and he turned around immediately to Jairus and he said, fear not, only believe. And as I read that, I felt like it just really helped me. You know what? If I'm afraid during this time, if I'm afraid, then I'm not believing. And I'm going to take that as a signal. When I'm afraid, I need to run back to Jesus. I need to run back to his word. I need to run back to his promises and talk to him in prayer and get myself settled again until I'm believing. Hebrews 4 says, he who believes does enter into rest. So fear was a signal for me. And after two years with this diagnosis, when I prayed, I felt a peace to go back and have all those tests done over again. And when I did... All those tests came back totally normal. Praise be to God. He is amazing. Sometimes the worst things can, you know, come to you, and God is amazing to be with us. Prayer gets God involved in our lives. Number two, did you know that God is eager to work on our behalf? He is eager to work on our behalf. I love that in Jeremiah 112. It's on your handout as well. Jeremiah 1.12, God says, I am ready to perform my word. And that means he is eager. He's alert. He's watching to perform his word. He is 
eager because he cares about us. Oh, as we sang about the love of God today, if we could only know, oh, I, I just, it's, it's so, um, the love of God is so big that we're going to keep on learning more and more, but if we could only know, he's so eager to answer our prayers because he cares about us, and he wants the best for us, and he wants to, he wants to, make people see us and like oh my goodness what is it about them how did they how did God do that he wants to make us a showpiece for his goodness he is eager to help us he said I am eager I'm on the alert I'm ready to perform my word in 1999 we as a church found ourselves Cottonwood Church in a legal battle with the city we're in, the city of Cyprus, for our church property. We were locked out of our property that we legally owned. You know, if you buy a house and you legally own it, most generally someone can't come and take it away from you. Is that right? Well, they put a fence around and they put a big uh, lock on it that we didn't have the key to. Just imagine you are coming to church this weekend and you see this big fence around this whole property and there is a big lock on it and you can't get in. That's what it felt like because we actually owned that property. Well, we researched and we got the best legal team, the best in the West. And this legal team told us from the very beginning, they said, in our whole country, in every case where the people were in a position that you are in, they never won, never. And my husband looked at him and he said, we're going to trust God, first of all, but we're going to walk through it with you. So we had to put our trust in God. He felt in his heart that God wanted us to do this. And we had some promises that we clung to. And I love this one. And I think these are written down on your paper as well. Psalm 125, verse 3. It says, The scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. Or the authority of the wicked will not rest on the authority that's allotted, allotted, the land that's allotted to the righteous. But the people of Cyprus were not wicked. But we have an enemy who does not want the gospel to go forth. And that's where the wicked comes from. But it says that the wicked um, authority will not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. You know, it's so wonderful when you have a promise that you can cling on to that God has said. We haven't said it, but God has said it. Another verse in Isaiah 43, 19, it just says that God can make roads in the wilderness and he can make rivers in the desert. In other words, when there's no way, he can make a way. Amen. Thank God. Well, we went through seven long years of newspaper articles against the church, against my husband. Many of those things were not true. And also they made cartoons that made my husband look like a devil and they put horns on him. Yeah, it was not any fun. There were tons of hours of work and emotional energy to prepare for the city meetings and for the court appearances. And we ended up in federal court, one step below the Supreme Court. And listen to this. The court ruled completely in our favor on all five counts. Amazing. The thing is, we knew it and the city knew it. 
And everybody that's been reading all those newspaper articles knew that no one could have made this happen. It had to be the hand of God to turn this around like it did, which was so awesome to see that God was made so obvious to our city and the city people. Um, it set a legal precedent that helped so many other churches that were in the same uh, type of situation as well. And many of you hear prayerfully the prayers of the people, the prayers of the people and the promises, the prayers of the people. We, you walk this journey with us, and you're a part of history with us. And in 2008, we moved into our beautiful campus. And the city of Cyprus loves us, and we're all friends now. <laughs> It showed me that despite all odds, maybe you have all odds against you tonight, despite all odds against us, if we pray according to his promise, God can turn a dark, hopeless situation to beyond good. It was beyond what we could have asked or thought. Not only can he, but in fact, he is eager to. He is eager to. Don't we serve an amazing God? Oh, my God is so amazing. That brings us to number three. The promise makes the difference. <clears throat> it reminds me of Abraham and Sarah. They were in a very impossible situation. Most of you know the story of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90. And the Bible says that her womb was as good as dead. It was an impossible situation for them to have a child. But listen to this in Romans 4.18. It says, even when there was no reason for hope. Do you have anything tonight that there's no reason for hope? Maybe a wayward child. When there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations for, I love this part, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. God had given him a promise back in Genesis 17. He said, you will be the father of multitudes. He had that promise, and so he kept on hoping. He had a promise, and the promise made the difference. The promise makes a difference. It gives us confidence in our prayers. And God said when we pray according to his will, according to his promises, he hears us, and if we know he hears us, he will answer us. It's good news, the promise. Fast forward now to 2014. It's 10 o'clock at night, and I'm getting ready for a good night's sleep. My husband's out fishing with his buddies, and then the phone rings. I still get emotional thinking about it. Ah, this lady's voice comes on the phone, and she says, I'm a caseworker, and I have a Bayless Conley here. He's been in a boating accident, and he doesn't look good. Here is a number. Take this number down and call them. It's, this is the doctor's number. Call him. You need to call right away. So I frantically, the other phone's ringing, and I'm frantically trying to call, but the line is busy. Like five times I try, and the line is busy, and I want to get a hold of this doctor, but I'm thinking maybe this phone number's not going to work. So I keep on, and finally I get through, and the doctor says, we're taking him into emergency surgery. We're not sure he's going to make it. Come now. 
So we all get together and we get to the, at the hospital. We wait for eight long hours, wondering if he's going to make it through the surgery. He does. We find out there's bleeding on the brain, carotid artery injuries. He's on a ventilator, not breathing on his own. The point of impact is a boating accident. The point of impact was right across his neck here. We wait 10 long days to see if he's going to be able to breathe on his own. He does. We wait 12 long days wondering if he'll be in his right mind when he comes out of the induced coma. I mean, some of the activities he did, he didn't know what was going to happen. But he did. Thank God. We wait 12 long weeks wondering if he's ever going to be able to walk again. We wonder for 10 long weeks if he'll, and he did walk, for uh, yeah, 10 long weeks to see if he's ever going to be able to swallow. He went home with a nasal gastric tube. He wasn't able to swallow. We wonder, and then he does, we wonder for several months if he'll ever be able to talk normally again. You know, and he's, he's making progress in his speech, but his tongue was all cut up and different things, and so he had to learn to talk all over again. But we were all encouraging him, telling him he's sounding so good, and then our little grandson, he was three at the time, and he goes, Papa, why do you sound so weird? <laughs> you know, kids tell it like it is, don't they? <laughs> But I remember coming home during a doctor's appointment, uh, during this time uh, from a doctor's appointment, and, you know, we'd gotten a good report, um, but it wasn't as good as we had expected. And it was actually amazing progress, but it wasn't quite what we thought we'd have at this point. It had to do with his vocal cords. And his vocal cords are very important because he's a preacher and he needs his vocal cords. Um, and as we were driving, I felt kind of down and discouraged, and I, I just said something to my husband, and he was feeling kind of the same way. And I remembered, you know, God's so good sometimes just to bring to your remembrance. I remembered this Bible story that my husband had told many times in our services at church, and it's from Numbers 21 where the children of Israel um, had to go the long way around. They couldn't go straight through. The people wouldn't let them. They had to go the long way around. And it says that they got really, really discouraged. It was taking longer than they wanted it to take. Like it was taking longer for him to heal than we thought. And maybe you've experienced something like that. It's just taking longer. And they started complaining. They complained to Moses. And they complained to God. And God heard it. And... Uh, God allowed fiery serpents to come. And those fiery serpents bit the people, and many of the people died. And uh, they, then they, they realized, you know what, oh, we're wrong. They repented, and they asked Moses to pray for them. And then in Numbers 21, it's on your paper there too, Numbers 21, verse 8 and 9, after Moses prayed, the Lord said to him, make a fiery serpent and set it up on a pole. And it shall be that who is bitten, when he looks at that fiery serpent, he will live. So Moses made a bronze serpent. He put it up on the pole. He nailed that thing to the, the pole. 
it couldn't move anymore, it was nailed to the pole, and so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. They had to keep their eyes on him. And that word looked, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. That word looked doesn't mean a casual glance or just glancing. It means a continual, steady gaze. Keep looking at that bronze serpent. And they were healed. In John 3.14, it says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so too the Son of Man must be lifted up. That serpent on the pole was a type and shadow of Jesus. And it reminded me that I had to keep a steady gaze on Jesus on that pole. He was on the, the cross, crucified. He took, he took uh, everything that was needed to be taken so that we could live and we could be whole. And so I had to keep a steady gaze because I'd gotten my gaze off the doctor's report and and you know, meditating on that and what the doctor had said. But I had to get it back on the great physician and on the promises he had said. So I, that really helped me so much, a steady gaze. We just got to run back to what he says. Because, you know, the word of God can change things. Facts are facts, but the truth changes facts. And so we get back to the truth, and it changes situations. It changes facts. So we had to keep a steady gaze on his promise as we prayed and trusted him. After six long months, my husband's able to speak publicly again. It was in July, I remember it. And of course, you know, God restored him. He's very healthy. He preaches. He still loves his saltwater adventures. And the doctors have actually certified him as a genuine walking miracle. And isn't God so good? But I will tell you this. I know it was the prayers of the saints. The saints had promises and they were praying. It was the prayers of the saints. We have power in prayer. Thank you that you, so many of you walked that journey with us and you prayed. It was the prayers. And we kept our gaze on Jesus and on the promises. The promise makes the difference. Thank God for his promises. Amen. And that we can pray. Number four, God is greater than any opposing force. And the battle is won in prayer. God is greater than any opposing force. And the battle is won in prayer. I'm thinking about Nehemiah when he was rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. We were just in Jerusalem. He was rebuilding that wall because he loved his city. But he had a lot of opposition. People were making fun of him and just doing all kind of things against him, uh, against the children of Israel to try to rebuild this wall. And he told the people something that I want to tell you tonight. I believe God wants you to hear it tonight. Nehemiah 4.14, this is what he said. He said to the people, do not be afraid of the enemy. Yeah, the enemy's big, but God is bigger. He said, do not be afraid of the enemy. And he said, remember, remember the Lord great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. No matter how hard it seems, don't be afraid of the enemy. Let's fight for our families. Let's fight for our sons and daughters. Let's fight for our spouses. Let's fight for our homes. 
Remember the Lord, great and awesome. He's wonderful. In Ephesians 6, it tells us that we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. We can't see it, but they're there. Against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There are forces, the truth is, there are forces that are fighting savagely to destroy our marriages and tear our families apart. But I want to say, remember Nehemiah 4.14, God is greater. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. God is greater. Remember the Lord great and awesome. The battle is won on our knees in prayer. Some of you may know Pastor Robert Favela, who is on our team. Um, there were several years after high school that he decided, he grew up in a Christian home, he decided, I don't want God, I don't want anything to do with this, I am going out on my own, and he decided to just turn his back on God and go his own way. But Robert had a praying family. His parents held this um, young adult small group for many years, and whenever they'd have their small group, I think they actually for a while had it every week, they would always ask at the end for the whole group to pray for Robert. Everybody knew about Robert. And they asked, let's pray for Robert. And obviously, Robert's on our team. So God heard their prayers and answered, and he's now a very strong, vital part of our team. And what's interesting in that small group was um, a girl named Natalie. She would pray with him every week, and she couldn't understand why on earth did this young man hurt his family so much. They're such, they're wonderful parents. Why did he do that to them? But anyway, she is Mrs. Robert Favela now, <laughs> and the mother of their children. Maybe you're here tonight trusting God for a wayward child, maybe a sibling, or maybe even a spouse. Here's a great promise in Jeremiah 31. Remember the promise makes a difference. Jeremiah 31, 16 and 17. It says, thus says the Lord. And remember, right now, it says, thus says the Lord. One day I was reading it, it's like, God, you are saying it. I'm not making this up. It says, thus says the Lord. When God says something, it happens. When God says something, you can't change it, right? Thus says the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work, your work, including your prayers, shall be rewarded, says the Lord again. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. No ifs, ands, or buts. They shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their border. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Even if you don't need it for yourself, you probably have some friends that you can share that with. Such a great promise. You know, one day, this man came to our office, and he wanted to tell us a story. He said that he had been in Pelican Bay. How many knows Pelican Bay is where all the really bad people go? Uh, like really, really, really bad. It's like a, I wrote down here, a super, 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 super max security prison where in the country that's where the worst of the worst go. And many of them are in uh, solitary confinement. He said he was plagued with horrible nightmares. 
a horrible night for just evil and violence. But he had a praying mama. One night, he'd have those nightmares and dreams. And one night in the dream, there was this man in the dream who just had this big smile on his face. He said, the man didn't say anything. He was quiet. He just smiled, and it gave him peace. And this happened several times. And then he got released to another prison that was only maximum security. He said that was like heaven compared to the other one. <clears throat> but in that particular prison, they had like a rec room or place where they could gather. And one day he was walking past that rec room, and there was uh, the TV was on. And there was a broadcast from Cottonwood Church, and Bayless was preaching. And uh, he saw it, and he went in, and he watched the whole program, and then he prayed, and he accepted Jesus into his life, and he got saved, and he said he'd been serving him ever since. And then he looked at my husband, and he said, Bayless, you were the guy in my dreams. And I came here to thank you. Never underestimate the prayer of your dreams, Mom. There's power in prayer. We have such a wonderful power gift in prayer. What a gift. So just in review, prayer gets God involved in our lives. Number two, God is eager. He's eager to work on our behalf. He'll chase down whatever he needs to chase down, go over mountains, keeps coming after us. Number three, the promise makes the difference. And number four, God is greater than any opposing force, and the battle is won in prayer. The gift, the power gift of prayer. Let me pray for you. Is that okay? Why don't we just close our eyes and just pray? Thank you, Father. Thank you for these amazing women. Just so hungry, Father, to learn and grow and and uh, understand prayer more. Father, thank you for just taking these words and these verses and just bringing them to their remembrance. Give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of them like never before, Father. And I pray, God, that prayer would just become such a really uh, strong, uh, just a, a vital a vital necessity, vital part of their lives, like they never dreamed it could be. And I pray that you would demonstrate to them, Father, somehow, just uh, how they can trust you more in their prayers, Father. Thank you, God, for just showing them your great love, more than they've ever known it before. Thank you, Father, for helping them somehow just expand their hearts, expand their their capacity somehow to be able to trust you and come to you with the impossible, things that seem impossible or just there's no answer, that you can make a way for them, Father. Open their eyes. Open our hearts like never before. Open our capacity like never before. And I pray you'd give us such a hunger and a thirst and such a desire and a, a delight in prayer like we never thought would be possible because sometimes it seems mundane. But God, I pray for a delight in their prayer lives, in all of us, in the name 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray for those that, just along with them tonight, that may be experiencing situations where they feel like giving up. David said, I would have given up unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so, Father, tonight we just join our hearts together for any father tonight that are represented here or anyone that would be listening. God, in those situations, we release the goodness of God. And with them, we believe to see the goodness. We speak the goodness of God, the goodness to God to overtake, to reign in those lives in the name of Jesus. The goodness of God. And Father, for those that perhaps have wayward children, maybe even a wayward spouse, they are somebody's children. You gave us a promise that they would come back to their border. So uh, based on that simple promise, God, we just lift them up to you right now. And we pray that you would go and orchestrate, intervene, do whatever is necessary, bring the perfect labors in their pathway, and turn their, help them to turn their hearts around for you. Open their eyes to see their need for a Savior and your wonderful provision for a Savior, Father and your great love for them. Thank you, Father. Open their eyes. Give them courage. Show them your goodness that leads them to repentance, we pray. We commit them to you, and we choose to trust you that you are at work. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. God is so good. Why don't we just take one moment and let's just close our eyes for a few moments. I just wanted to say one further thing. Just with all our eyes closed, no distractions. And I want, we're talking about prayer tonight. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about a powerful prayer that can literally take a person from one world to another world. This prayer can take us from darkness to light, from being lost to having eternal life. John 3.16 tells us, and many of you know this, you've heard this before at least, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he gave Jesus, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. He gave his son so we don't have to perish, we don't have to go to hell, but we can have eternal life through his son. And Romans 10, it tells us, if we'll confess with our mouth, we'll say with our mouth, confess Jesus as our Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. We'll be saved for all eternity. The truth is we'll be saved from hell. And all of us have sinned, and we all need a Savior. God loved us so much. He loves us. We sang about his love tonight. He loved us so much that he sent the Savior, his son, Jesus. And when Jesus was on the cross, that blood that he shed was enough to cleanse us from all our sin, no matter how dark, how deep, no matter what. It was enough to cleanse us from all our sin. And all God asks is that we believe that and we just tell him. Tell him that we believe it. And when we do that,
The words of our mouth are powerful. It's a prayer. When we do that, the hands of the Holy Spirit come and cleanse us and make us brand new on the inside. Doesn't that sound good? Just to be cleansed and brand new on the inside. You literally go from darkness to light by believing and by praying. And I believe that God is tugging at hearts all across here. And if that's you, I want to lead you. I'd love to lead you in a prayer to come to Jesus. And maybe you've been away from God. Maybe you've known Jesus and you've come to Jesus, but you know tonight that you're in a place that you are away from him and you want to make that right tonight. I want to tell you, we sang about the love of God, but the Bible also tells us that his arms are open wide, that anyone who comes to him, he will not turn away. So if you've been away, what a better time than tonight to come back to him. So on either account, if you want to ask Jesus to be your Savior, that you can live with God for all eternity, or that you've been away and you want to come back to him, on three, I want you to just lift up your hand like a signal to God. That's me, God. I mean business. So on three. So one, two, three. Just all over. Just lift up your hands. I see that hand there. All over. Another hand over there. Another one back there. Some back there. Beautiful. 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 God's arms are just reaching out and pouring love on you right now. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Any others? Don't hesitate. God loves you so much. Okay. All right. You can put your hands down. And let's just take a moment and pray with them. And let's all pray together, okay? It's just in support of them. And just join in our prayers with them. And as we pray, I'll give you the words to pray. But just wrap your heart around the prayer. Just be sincere. Just tell God you mean it. You know, you just said you mean it. And God hears, and he will answer. Okay, let's just pray. Just to say, dear God, I've fallen short, and I need my sins forgiven. Thank you for letting me know that you sent Jesus to take this punishment for, for my sin. I'm so grateful. I confess Jesus as Lord. And I choose to believe in my heart that you, God, have raised him from the dead. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for cleansing me. And thank you for receiving me back into your arms, God. Thank you for making me a part of your family. That you will never leave me or forsake me. Thank you that I will live with you forever. Thank you for loving me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Let's give them a hand. That was wonderful. Well, thank you, ladies, for having me. It's been a pleasure. You've been so hungry and so beautiful and lovely. Oh, you just look so lovely. 
And I'm going to just turn this over to Ann now, and Pastor Ann, and she's going to give you further instructions. <laughs>